0: Hello and welcome to episode number 21 of the Perth to Paisley podcast, your, let's be honest, probably third or fourth stop for all things Heart of Midlothian. I am one of your usual hosts, Daniel McIver, and I am, as always, joined by Adam Kennedy. Adam, how are you doing? I am... Um, it's funny, mate, because I can recall retweeting somebody on Twitter saying that
1: these Friday night games make or break the weekend, um, and it's proven bang on, so... Listen, I've had a terrible weekend. What about you?
0: Basically the same. So, yeah, for the first time this season, Heart and Midlothian played a football game and lost a football game. Something that we should be all used to, considering the last 18 months. However, we're not. Um, and we're basically we're going to waste no more time and we're just going to get straight into it, really. You'll have heard, by the way, that there is no guest. We're back to just being us two, and of course the time that it's just us two is the first depressing one of the season. So, hearts travelled to East End Park to take on the flying Dumfermlin, and if you listened to last week when we had Cami, who is a Pars fan, on, we discussed the threat that Dumfermlin had, most notably from Dom Thomas cutting in and set pieces, and if you watched Robbie Nielsen's interview on Thursday, he said, I know that Dom Thomas is a threat, and their set pieces are really bad. So going into the game, say when you saw the team, Adam, how did you feel? I think the team took me a little
1: bit by surprise. I think I was hoping that Josh Gennelli would make it, and I think for the most part, I was fairly... I wouldn't say disappointed with the midfield, but I did have my concerns. I think only starting one out-and-out winger, I think, was a bit of an issue. I think the trio of White and Naismith and Boyce starting together was interesting. Um, and ultimately, I think so far this season, or in certainly in most of their performances, I think we've learnt that Andy Halliday and Ollie Lee can't really play together. Um, but that being said... I I did expect us to put in a better performance than than we got. I think if you're playing for Heart of Midlothian Football Club and you think that that calibre of performance is acceptable, then you're very much mistaken. Yes, it's our first league defeat of the season. Yes, it's one defeat in nine matches. And yes, we've got a Scottish Cup final to look forward to. But I think we'd just be deflecting from just how poor we were. I think we've got no divine right to win football matches. Nobody does. So we've got to go out and earn it, and we we just didn't do that on Friday night, unfortunately.
0: Well, instead of going through the game, I'm going to go through the individual players' performances, because I feel like that's going to give a better retrospective of the game, as you're right, it was not a good performance, it was a pretty abject, terrible performance, actually. So reviewing the game as a whole, I don't feel would be as constructive. Dunfermline were the better team. Fully deserved winners. It actually, they'd probably be a bit gutted it was only 2-1. I feel like that scoreline flattered us. However, as I said, we'll go through the team. So we'll start right at the very back. How did you feel Craig Gordon did in his return to the side after being away on international duty? Um, I think the only positives
1: that I could take from the first half were that we hadn't conceded and I know and Murray was offside from a set piece, I think it was a free kick, but mm-hmm. Craig Gordon made a superb, stay, a superb save to stop him and I think that that was arguably the best chance of the half and the wake up call which we needed, but of course it's evident that we we didn't respond to that Um Neil McCann was obviously on the, the sports scene panel and he was warning us at halftime that that would be the case. Um, he, that if we didn't watch Ewan Murray in particular, then we'd concede from a set piece. And his goal... I'm not sure whether You know, I, I know that there's question marks regarding the, the marking and picking up of players, etc. But I think... I think Craig Gordon probably... I think he's a bit indecisive about whether he should come out for it or not, and I personally believe that it should have been his all day, but for their centre half, their captain, the league's player of the month, to have a free header inside the six-yard box, Craig Gordon's not solely to blame.
0: I'd pretty much agree. I think it's very hard. Both goals that Gordon conceded, the first one especially, he can do nothing about, very similar to the goal he conceded, actually, on international duty. Uh, It takes a massive deflection off someone who we will get to in a minute. Um, He's completely blindsided by it. Not his fault at all. I partly agree with the Gordon thing. I definitely think that if Gordon had just decided as soon as the ball swung in, I'm coming to either claim or punch this, he probably would have got it away, but I do think it is kind of more down to the marking of another individual who we'll get to in a second. However, Craig Gordon is definitely not high on the list in terms of issues, and we go to a man who is probably bottom of the list in terms of issues. I thought Michael Smith was his usual, not great self, but usual consistent self. He didn't really put a foot wrong. I think in the first half, Dom Thomas kind of had him a wee bit a couple of times, but then Smith just kind of did what he normally does and work out his opposite numbers, issues, strengths, weaknesses, and targeted that. He was constantly looking for a ball going forward. He was very evidently frustrated that there often wasn't that in front of him. How do you feel he did? I think, on the whole, considering the fact that he would played Wednesday
1: night for Northern Ireland came back on the Thursday and was thrown in on the Friday I mean it it wasn't one of our worst players but I I will say that that's the worst performance I've seen from Michael Smith in quite some time I think it wasn't his usual self and to be honest you know hindsight's wonderful isn't it because ultimately I think he looked absolutely shattered I think that fatigued I I don't think it would have been worth him starting Um, but I, I, just, I just didn't get, and I, I know folk were quick to praise his performance, but I, I didn't see that. I felt as though, Smith's great in that he always looks for the ball, but I feel as though some of his passes were wayward. He wasn't able to contribute going forward as he so often does. And I, I was left a little bit disappointed with Michael Smith's performance,
0: to be honest with you. Interesting. Well, we'll go to the other side in a player that I was I kind of felt the same about Michael Smith. It's kind of the last main positive for me of the night. Again, not a positive, but if I had to pick positives. Stephen Kingsley um, probably had his weakest game in terms of his impact generally as the game went on however he obviously did get our only goal, it was a very very good header, again there were times where I think he kind of got done on the turn but generally his positioning was solid especially when we moved to the back three in the last kind of 15 minutes there's been parts of me that have been worried about um, a back three when we don't have hearing which I think will be a bigger discussion that we move on to in a moment but Kingsley kind of filled me with a wee bit of confidence, honestly. Um, But what about you? How did you feel Stephen did?
1: I would say that he probably had the best opportunity of the first half for us. That that free kick was a decent (laughs) position. And although high and wide, I think it speaks volumes that our only opportunities were from dead ball situations. I just, I don't understand. This is obviously, I know we're talking about Stephen Kingsley's performance, but I don't understand how we struggle to create opportunities from open play away from home. Um and ultimately that that second goal the Ewan Murray goal. I've I've watched it a couple times. It looks to me like we've stuck Stephen
0: Kingsley on him which it I, that's what I was about to say. I don't get he that is for all the positives that I said it's clearly that Murray is his man. And Murray just loses him. But I do agree with your point. I don't understand why you wouldn't have either Halkett or Popescu on Murray.
1: Well, that's that's exactly my thought. I thought, why why did we not stick a Craig Halkett or somebody on you and Murray? Somebody that seems, you know, like for like. I I found that a really strange one. Um, so, obviously, he makes amends with her goal, and it is, it is like you say, a, a fantastic header. But by that stage, it's too little too late. And... I think you're right. I think it it wasn't a great game for him, but ultimately he's made amends for his error, unlike some in our 11. Well,
0: we will go on to somebody who definitely had one of those games that I mentioned in the last podcast. I mentioned how Mihai Popescu's career at heart so far hasn't filled me with confidence, but in a weirdly... Interesting way. I said that I think he's a bomb scare, but I like watching him because he can do weird things. Friday night was just the bomb scare part of that. I think he was one of our weakest players. I will not say he was our weakest player because I have that reserved for three people, but I don't, I said this about five times during the game and I was getting more and more annoyed as I said it. I don't recall a single pass that he made that completed that wasn't either just beside him to Halkett or beside him to Kingsley. I, whenever he tried to do a forward pass, I don't think he made it he feet. He is technically at fault for the first goal because it ricochets off him, but for me it's not the deflection, it's his body positioning. I totally understand that he's put his hands behind his back so that it's not a handball. Listen, I get that, that's a good thing to do. But when you do that, you should move forward and lean in with your chest and either bend a shoulder to the right or to the left. You shouldn't, at the exact same time as that, lean back because it just creates a completely either open space or an area where a defend, where an attacker can shoot, and if it hits off you, it's probably going to go in. And that is exactly what happened. So Popeski was very much an annoyance for me, but what was your take on his performance?
1: I could not agree any more with what you just said. I think he's more concerned with putting his hands behind his back than preventing danger on the other hand I, I do think it is a different game should he guide his header home from, from Freer's free mm-hmm. kick in the first half but if I'm totally honest I think Justice was probably served there because it wasn't really a free kick in my eyes it, I think it was the Stephen Whitaker challenge on his former teammate at Rangers Stephen Naismith mm-hmm. I, I think he gets plenty of the ball so that would have been harsh on the pars to be honest and Pescu overall there's question marks. I, I, I'm not sure that I'm having them, to be honest.
0: I've just actually remembered that on both chances that he had that hit the bar, you heard, well, the first one where he hits the bar, Boyce is behind him. And in fairness, Boyce doesn't really shout for it. But I think it's because Boyce is like, well, obviously, I'm heading this. No one's going to get in the way. And I think if that hits Liam Boyce's head, he's driving that home. But the second one, where Popescu really should score in the second half and hits the bar, Boyce goes ballistic at him. Because as the ball's in flight, you hear him scream, Boyce's, Popescu jumps for it, obviously misses, and Popescu just turns and Boyce just screams, Boyce's back in his face and is clearly livid.
1: No, and it's understandably so, having obviously crashed one off the bar earlier. I think, you know, with a gaffer being a former defender, that's bound to be infuriating. How he can't seem to get the best out of Papescu so far. It was, it was the same under though, toward the end of his tenure. You know, a, a former centre half, and yet defensively we were absolutely abysmal. We look all over the shop, um, and like you say. The, the scoreline did flatter us, I thought. I thought the Pars could hit 3 4 easy. So it's, it, it is frustrating, but again, it would be harsh to blame just him.
0: Mm-hmm. We then move to his partner, who I don't actually have that much to say about Halkett, to be honest. I think Halkett definitely has been one of the positives of the season in terms of if you look at him last season. I think we've seen a bit more of what we expected to have when we had Halkett, not in terms of like man-of-the-match performances, but I just feel Halkett's kind of calmed down a bit in terms of he's got his confidence back a wee bit. Obviously, he didn't have a good game on Friday night, but no one did. Um, I felt that he was one of the few players who was trying to Get the ball moving. Whenever he got his, whenever he got the ball at his feet, he was turning and looking up for a pass, whether or not that pass was viable. I just don't really have much to say, positive or negative, about him.
1: No, and that's understandable. I, I like Halkett. I think going back to what you were saying, I think the confidence thing. I think he'll take great pleasure in seeing a former teammate of his, in Declan Gallagher, perform so well for Livingston Mm -hmm. that obviously earned him the move to Motherwell and Halkett to Hearts, And, you know, Declan Gallagher... I I thought there was question marks about him performing at Premiership level. But when I watched the Scotland games, I mean, he had Alexander Mitrovic in his back pocket. And I think Mm -hmm. it's a compliment that Halkett was a part of that same defensive unit. And I think he thinks, if Declan Gallagher can kick on, why can't I? I? Yes, I know... We're obviously in a different division, but if Craig Gordon can work his way into the, the Scotland setup and Smith and Boyce in the Northern Ireland, then perhaps the door is open there for Craig Halkett should he get back to his best. Definitely. Why not?
0: Absolutely. Well, we then move into the midfield where, as I said earlier, I had my four most angriest views on players and two of them are the two midfielders. I'm going to lump them together because I'm saying this now, I never want to see Ollie Lee and Andy Halliday play together ever again. I, um, I would, would go along with that. I
1: think I know your other two, by the way. Um, But, <laughs> I know, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's not working that duo in front of the back four. I think, you know, as much as we talked about the first goal, and the deflection, for me, Ollie Lee's got to shoulder a lot of the blame yeah. there. Personally, yeah. I think Dom Thomas is shown inside far too easily. Um, he's shown onto his stronger foot, and yeah. whilst Ollie Lee isn't a defensive midfielder, I would expect a bit more up against him. A, a challenge of sorts would have been would have been nice. Um,
0: he did the exact same against Charlie Adam. Yeah, when we played Dundee as yeah, well. Yeah,
1: that's right. Sh- show them onto their left side, and there's there's stronger foot and lo and behold were punished for them so yeah I'd go along with that and Andy Halliday didn't cover himself in, in glory either this is a signing who obviously we were both on board with and
0: I'm very quickly going off board with it I will say this right I will say this I know he's not had a pre-season I know that that is a big thing I know that he is behind the a lot of the team in terms of overall fitness, but so far, I have not been impressed with Halliday once. Uh, <laughs> Do you know what? Joel Sked praised his performance
1: in the, the Hibs semi-final, and at the time, I thought he performed poorly, but I think I think it's a complacency thing with Halliday. I think for the bigger games, it's easier to motivate himself for them. You know, the Hibs semi-final I think he'll be up for the Celtic Cup final because everybody knows his personal allegiances and what have you. But again, you know, Dunfermline have been touted as a potential promotion rival and of course he's coming out in the press saying that it's disappointing but focus on the job at hand. You know, concentrate on your own performance and the team collectively performing rather than us losing and then coming out and dwelling on what could have been. You know, you're in charge of your own destiny. And it, we did, We obviously did score eventually. And it's a superb delivery from the Porty Pirlo, who, for me, has to start uh, on Tuesday night and potentially beyond that. And ideally alongside Peter Haring as well, who was another mm-hmm. big absence with, with those two.
0: I think, Halliday, I don't want to focus too much on Haldé, but he really really infuriated me on Friday night because there was a moment that I was like that's what I didn't want to happen when we signed you we had started to get a wee bit into the game it was only 1-0 at the time it was like right just for the next 5-10 minutes settle, don't do anything stupid like conceding a second goal and we build again and that young I can't remember his name the young blonde midfielder who was really good for them Kyle Turner Yes, Kyle Turner, Fun enough, turned. He just turned Halliday, and Halliday just came in fully flying, studs up, gave them a free kick, got booked. That ensuing free kick led to the corner, and they scored. And it was like that moment was like, you're meant to be a seasoned pro, and I know he's not had a preseason, but that is not reason enough to be that stupid in that challenge and that's what I saw so many people be like this is what you're going to get from holiday and I was like no we're not going to get that but so far that's all we've had in my opinion no I I mean
1: I'd I'd probably go along with that for the most part can I just say I actually thought that their midfield trio might have well proved the difference and when you look at it Mm -hmm. Kyle Turner Dunfermline signed from Stranraer. Stephen Whitaker's a Hibbs reject and Kerr McEnroy's on loan from Celtic. You know, that that's not good enough. I I think midfield is the biggest bugbear for me on, on Friday mm. night.
0: Well, we'll stick with it and we'll stick with Whitaker because we'll then move to Stephen Naismith. Who, Stephen Whitaker just went, I'm just going to have you the entire first half, which meant that in the second half, Naismith got shunted out left which he can't do because he can't run. Then Walker came on, so he got shunted out right, which he can't do because he can't run. And it was one of those games that people who don't like Naismith, I am a fan of Naismith generally. I think he's an important aspect to the team. But it was one of those games where Naismith's positive is that he is loud on the pitch. He's like a manager on the park. He'll keep people right. But the downside to that is, he's like that all the time, even when he is dreadful, and the amount of misplaced passes from trying to do stupid wee flicks to just, as I said, being marked out the game by Whitaker, it gets a lot harder to accept as a teammate if you're then being turned to by that guy and getting shouted at, because you could very rightly turn around and go, well, what are you contributing
1: yeah, spot on mate, and like you say, Stephen Whitaker did, did mark him at the game. <laughs> at work this morning I was I was speaking to a, a jambo Palamine Lewis, the, the boy that did the graphics. And mm-hmm. uh, I'll I'll make sure I have a wee link to his graphics page, but anyway, um and we were discussing whether uh, Stephen Naismith might just be better as an impact sub because like you say, the legs it it just he's so slow and that's not just... I mean, it's not just Nasey in the midfield that's slow. I, th- I think our lack of pace all over is, is pretty evident. But he he was just totally man-marked out the game. And, you know, under Levine, when he didn't perform, we didn't perform. And it seemed as though Friday night it reeked of that once again, which is in- incredibly infuriating because... I mean, this is a guy that's got over 50 caps for Scotland... He's spoken about trying to get back into the international setup, And if he replicates Friday night's performances, it ain't going to happen anytime
0: soon. Well, we then move on to the two wide players. I'm kind of going to group them together because I feel like it was quite a Jekyll and Hyde from the two wide guys who started the game. Because on one side, you had Elliot Freer, and on the other side, you had Craig Whiten. To kind of put a more... To go back to being a bit more positive, I thought for what he was asked to do, Craig Whiten kind of didn't put a foot wrong. It's just a shame that he's not really designed to play wide right.
1: I, I, don't, I don't get why we usher Craig Whiten in on the right. It, it actually annoys me. It's as though we've looked for anybody fast and we've just decided that we'll stick him out there. Um, we've seen what he can do up front. I know that his goal against Hibbs was from a wide area but that's perhaps just a
0: kind of but he was still
1: in the middle of the box exactly I think that's a that's a tactical thing in that he comes inside and gets the better of who was it Paul McGinn I think it was so you know it's, it's a case of for Whiten I think it's a case of kind of different horses for different courses. I I think he's much better through the middle, personally, and...
0: Of course, he's a most informed striker, and I think there, you were saying there, you were like, you don't know why Robbie's playing them on wide right. I'm the exact same, but I kind of just feel that Robbie's like, I want to play this Mm 4-2-3-1, but Robbie, see if you don't have the players to play it. You can't play it. You need to change the system. So, Whiting, as I said, he did everything that was asked for him. He got the ball. He's not the best at playing with he's back to go, where he has to take it in his feet and turn. What he's good at is just getting the ball and running and that's what he's really good at which is why down the middle, that's all he has to do. Whereas he's not a winger. He doesn't know how to do four step overs do a guy and play a ball in. He's the guy who's meant to be getting the ball as it's played in. But I felt bad for him and when he was taken off I couldn't understand it. I didn't understand why out of everybody with Naismith, who, as you just said, was offering nothing. Whiting was at least an outlet of something. I'd have been gutted if I was him to get brought off there.
1: No, I agree, and I think it's not down to him, but we were made apparent of the absence of Janelli, and I'm not going to get on to Robbie Nielsen, but you're right in that he does seem very stubborn with us for the obviously sitting in front and then 3-1 I could have sworn that you said to me on the podcast ages ago how he was looking at different variations of formations and yet the 4-2-3-1 is pretty much all we've ever used so far this season and I get that of course we're grinding out results and whatever but sometimes it needs changed up and that just didn't happen on Friday night I don't know whether it's because we've not got the personnel or
0: I think that is what it is. You think
1: it's just down to personnel.
0: I think because during the game it was far too late. It was in the seventieth minute we changed to a four-four-two, and in the eightieth minute we changed to a three-five-two with Halliday at left wing back, Smith at right wing back, and Kingsley as a centre half. And I think we actually looked better in that three-five-two formation. But I think we would have looked far better if we still had Boyce and White in as the two you know we're
1: looking for goals and we take off a striker
0: our top goal scorer
1: I, exactly and i know he's not playing up front but he still carries a goal threat i, I couldn't believe i couldn't believe it took as late for the likes of jamie walker or whatever to come on i think if if he's available i know i've been an advocate for him being played through the middle but he can play on the right i'm not saying i'm not saying i want him to but sometimes you know this is what management's all about You, you've sometimes you've got to do you know what I'm trying to say you've, you've got to make changes Absolutely. that sometimes might not be a benefit but it's, it's worth taking the gamble and for me it just seemed that Jamie Walker, whilst he isn't an out and out winger, is more capable than Craig Whiten playing on the right and surely then Whiten can be moved to play up front, I don't I, I can't fathom that at all
0: well, that is for me the kind of last positive of the starting lineup. Those four—Gordon, Smith, Kingsley, and White—and I'd give pass marks to. Um, and then we go to the other side, where arguably this man has the lowest. Halliday and Lee might have it, but Elliot Fear is not a heart middle of Midlothian player. Adam, is he?
1: No, he's not. And he's so weak.
0: He's so weak.
1: You know. On paper, it looked like a decent signing. You you know, even even if he's just a squad player, but I don't even think he's up to that.
0: I don't... uh, What's happened to Lewis Moore? I was literally just about to say, I don't know what Lewis Moore must be thinking when that's in your position and you've been... You're coming off form at the end of last season that was one of the few positives of an entire squad and you're sat going, he's ahead of me. Totally, and Ad White's come on the past few games
1: and looked decent up there. Mm-hmm. You know why? It just seems like it seems like Nielsen's opted to select Elliot Freer because he signed him, and he wants Freer to show the fans why Nielsen felt necessary to sign him. I don't, I don't get,
0: I don't see what he brings. Apparently, he was class in a training game midweek.
1: Or this bounce game that we that we knew nothing about and the club didn't make it public at all.
0: In fairness, though, by a bounce game, Nielsen seems to mean that that means it's not actually... Yeah, it's not actually like a game against a team. It seems to be kind of like our squad split in half playing 11-a-side. But it's just... I don't know. It is, it's odd. Really odd. Like... He, I don't, I He's an th- alright crossing him. He had he had like a couple of good crosses. But as a winger, for to, to be so routinely offside when you're clearly being told to play off the shoulder is like inexcusable.
1: It's infuriating. And to be honest, the only thing that he did was putting that ball, I think it was for Popescu to to nod mm-hmm. against the bar. That that was it I can not I d I can't I can't recall him actually taking on his man and getting the better of him. And to be honest, I know when you'd see Liam Boyce in the box that you might you might be against the idea of crossing because he doesn't exactly bring that aerial presence. But this is something that I've talked about on the pod for a while. I don't see why we've not got a target man type for either Boyce or when Boyce isn't performing, Whiten to step up to the plate and to do, have a partner up there. It just... It seems as though... We're, we're still missing, you know, a, a couple elements. And Elliot Freer has proved to me that a winger is most certainly one as well.
0: Well, we finished with the starting line-up, and we're nearly done speaking about this game, I promise. Liam Boyce, who I think we're going to have a disagreement about here. My overall view is, Liam Boyce is broken.
1: <laughs> I thought he was breathing out his arse.
0: I don't think he should have played. That was my opinion. I said this last week with Kami. I said I wouldn't start boys, especially when he got 70 or 80 minutes, it was, less than 48 hours before. I couldn't... He was on a ferry 24 hours before the game. I, I couldn't believe he played, and I couldn't believe he got the full game. So I feel bad for him. Listen, that sitter that he misses with the header, that's where I'm getting the, I think he's broken aspect because I I can't understand how Liam Boyce misses that and I don't want to believe that it's another striker who comes into hearts and we just ruin inexplicably. I don't want to believe that because this one's different. I do think it is unfair to him to go, right Liam, now you need to lead the line away at East End Park because again I still felt there was positives to his game. He was I think Boyce feels he has to drop so deep because his midfield aren't support to him. You often see him at like just above the circle in the middle of the park, getting the ball and then looking for Whiten and then Whiten's not even on the park now because he's been brought off and going, ah, oh, I've got to deal with this myself. So his hold up play and his vision and his link up play is great. He's just missing the goal-scoring aspect, and unfortunately, that's the main bit that supporters will choose if he lives or dies by.
1: Of course, it is, and you wondered why he was flopping. I, I know why he's flopping because he's pulled a maroon shirt on. You know, it's 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 infuriating because I don't I don't think he was one of the worst performers. On Friday night and I I agree with you I feel as though the midfield is sat so deep that it needs kind of runners in and around them and Stephen Naismith doesn't provide you that the lack of service from the wide area is again shocking you know there's there's only so much that he can do I, I, I I'm with you though I, I think I said on the the Pars pod that he should have been rested, or that we should have started waiting up front. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's it's easy to say that now. Had had Liam Boyce netted the winner, you know, would have been praising Robbie, saying that it was a great decision. So mm-hmm. you know, it's it's swings and roundabouts. But I think I think he needs a partner. I I really do. I I don't know whether first of all, I don't know who's available and I don't feel as though is the answer because I feel as though they're too similar, neither's particularly tall. I am a great advocate for a target man and a little man playing off him because I feel as though the successful Hearts teams or the perceived successful Hearts teams have had that. I, th- I go back to my dad's day and he had Sandy Clark and John Robertson. I think one of the most underrated teams of our lifetime was Kevin Kyle, when Fit, and Stephen Elliott off him. I just feel as though Liam Boyce would thrive with a big partner sort of doing his, his dirty work. And I know that there'll be people questioning it, saying, well, why did we not keep Uche or whatever? I, I don't think Uche was the answer either. I think in this division, potentially, because Championship defenders haven't been up against them, and with the exception of like Inverness, because we play them in the League Cup just about every year. But other than that, nobody's had to kind of deal with him and I think it would have just been it would have been a rocket up defenders arses in this league to be honest but boys I'm adamant that he needs a partner and I think if we recruit correctly perhaps then his fortunes will change in front of goal at least I hope that's the case
0: well we'll finally move on to the subs before giving overall thoughts and the main two subs I want to focus on are Andy Irvin and Jordan Roberts. Would you like the positive one first or the negative one first?
1: No, let's get let's get the negative one out of the way because we're gonna try and end on a on a positive note when speaking about a frankly dire performance.
0: Jordan Roberts is has proven nothing to me so far. He got a good assi- he got an assist, I wouldn't even say good. He got an assist for Kingsley second against Dundee. But he just seems like he cannot be arsed
1: again, I think it's, well, I don't know whether it's a lack of confidence, but it appears that way. You know, when, when he and Janelli played, Josh Janelli was flying, adamant to take on his man. You know, it seemed as though he really wanted to contribute. Again, I get what you're saying in that it looks as though he can't be arsed, but perhaps it's a mental thing. I don't know. I'd, he's still got a, a
0: lot to do. Definitely. He's he's definitely out of the two, out of him and Janelli. Janelli's the attacking winger, and Roberts is a defensive winger, and that's fine. What's infuriating to me is that he's like Ollie Lee, but just a few steps further forward, because the criticism of Lee that I don't necessarily agree with but can understand is that Lee always looks for a pass backwards. I kind of disagree with that because, like, as we've seen... Ollie Lee currently is on two assists and two goals this season. Like he's he's contributed forward, but Roberts is that. Roberts just constantly gets the ball and instead of going forward, just tucks in, turns and plays a really easy bat, uh, easy ball back to whoever the sitting midfielders are. And it's like that's offering nothing.
1: I I totally agree, Ari, uh, Ollie Lee just there. It seems to me as though Roberts looks to play it safe and. I don't mm-hmm. know whether there's kind of coaching instructions that we we have to retain possession or whatever, but for me, I don't think it's all about that. I feel as though sometimes if, if you're willing to take a risk and you end up losing it, then you end up losing it. Big deal. Go, you know, go and retrieve it back. But to me, it seems like it's a safe option and we're kind of dilly-dallying around the box. There doesn't seem to be any kind of oomph in that... The, the final ball is just is non-existent. And it's not just Jordan Roberts. I think it's the trio in behind Boyce. I think sometimes we try and do too much. And that seems to be more of a, a hindrance than a help. Do you, get, do you get where I'm coming from?
0: Absolutely. Totally, totally agree. And that actually, quite nicely, leads on to the positive. And it's just, I know he wasn't brilliant. He came on and actually kind of immediately played the ball at the park and it was like, oh no, he's going to have one of the day nights. Andy Irvin needs to be in the team every single week for me and I agree with you, the dream partnership for me is Herring and Irvin. Irvin came on, got the assist for Kings' goal, the first kind of proper good ball in all night apart from three years for Popescu he just seems to be every single time he gets the ball he turns and goes and looks to create something and i just can't see how lee and Halliday are ahead of him he's a total baller mate he really is he's just
1: he's brilliant to watch i really enjoy watching him and again I th- he he's willing to take a risk it doesn't it doesn't faze mm-hmm. him despite his you know perceived lack of experience he gets us up the park and like like I've said and you've obviously agreed with, him and Haring just seems like the total perfect partnership Haring to break up the play and ultimately distribute it into Irving who then drags us forward can usher it out wide or centrally, even play that killer pass himself from a deep position it, it has to be those two going forward for me,
0: 100% Well, we've spent 40 minutes being quite negative However I will say, I still think we'll win the week. <laughs> I don't think it's time to throw toys out the pram. Nielsen himself said after the game and in, as we're recording this today, but obviously as you're listening this, yesterday's press conference said that it was a it was a game that kinda hanged on fine margins where if Boyce scores and both of Popescu's chances go in, we win four two There's no reason to suddenly just start ripping out the team. We've played nine games, won eight, lost one. It's not time, at least in my opinion, to go, that's it, we're fucked. Like, that's it, we need to make wholesale changes to the squad. We need to get rid of Nielsen, blah, blah, blah. I genuinely do think that that performance can never happen again especially in this league, like we can never have another performance like that. But I said in our preview that we would lose three games this season. That's one of them. Yes, that's earlier than I hoped it would be, but I still think we would lose games. And Nielsen himself said it. We're going to lose games. Dunfermline are not going to go unbeaten all season. Dunfermline will lose games. It's just about getting up, and uh, Halliday, Naismith and Nielsen have all said this, We've got a game tonight, as you're listening to this, against Aloha, Perfect timing to just right the wrongs of Friday night.
1: You know, it's it's funny. I I messaged you before we, we came on to record about how angry I was and yet have invented all this off my chest. Whilst I am still frustrated, I do feel a bit better, I think. I'm not going to kid on like it's not a disappointment because, of course, it is. You know, it's the first time we've had to recover face adversity this season and ultimately we haven't. Um, I do think Robbie was bang on after the game but like you say it's how we react it's a wake up call for us and whilst we weren't good enough we obviously have the chance to rectify it in, in the coming fixtures which is proving a bonus um, I will obviously just say because I'm adamant that, that Cami will probably be listening to this perhaps another couple pals, pals of mine and, and whatever but um, but they did get what they deserved and absolutely you know I I will give them credit as well because I I thought Stevie Crawford's game plan worked superbly I think it was evident that they were going to try and keep it tight first half stay in the game you know long enough and then try and break us down create opportunities of their own and ultimately they took them because they went and had a go they had nothing to lose and they thoroughly deserved their three points so fair play to the
0: Pars. absolutely so Finally, we'll move on to the second talking point. We will discuss the two Aloha games that we have this week in a wee minute, however, we've got the second episode of the Hearts documentary to discuss. So, obviously, I've seen a wee bit of confusion uh, there's a couple of people being like, why are you talking about last week's episode when the one before when the one last night came out? It's just we record these on Monday night, literally as we are sitting here right now in 50 minutes, the final episode's playing. So we're a week behind. So next week will be us discussing last night's episode. I know it's a wee bit confusing, but this episode was all about Stendel's time at the club. It was interesting or was it because personally I've not really been blown away by these documentaries so far
1: I thought that the first episode was a lot better than the second. I'm sort mm-hmm. of frustrated with the second on the whole um and that's not just because of what it opened with I mean it had to start with the derby defeated tiny didn't it but um yeah it's one it's just one of those things I thought to be fair, whether it was Scott Wilson. Jim Jeffries in his cameo, or Andy Irving, the club placed a massive importance on the fixture. And whilst that sort of came to fruition, with lots of it being dedicated to that derby, I'm pretty frustrated with with the rest of it, to be fair. Along with, obviously, the performance that day, and result that day. Of course.
0: So, the majority of the episode, as Adam said, starts with um, the Boxing Day derby, where Hearts lost to Herberne, then. Then it kind of moves in to the sign-ins that we made, the many fantastic sign-ins, however the main sign-in that we focus on is Liam Boyce and of course it then transitions into that Rangers game where Boyce made his fantastic debut and then it ends with coronavirus rearing its head and we go into the season, eh, sorry we go into the finish of the episode, uncertain on what the future is of course we know what the future is and that will all be revealed in the third episode but what was your main frustration about this episode Adam um my frustration was probably uh, the lack of
1: importance that they played on certain fixtures and about sort of unnecessary spiel that uh, you know it, it doesn't seem to appeal to working class jambos you know the the Rangers game where Boy scores that winner, their order was off as well, like they go on to show the Rangers game where he scored the winner, but then they have to go back just before it and remind us that he signed before the game took place, it was was really weird and even that Rangers game they placed an importance on kind of the corporate side you know, I don't know about you, but I don't place my pie in a high ranking above a hearts win, and I'm not interested in how Jimmy Bell likes his tea as somebody said on the documentary it just it seemed to me as though they got their priorities wrong and I get that they're trying to highlight all the work that goes into a match day but I think everybody's tuning in because they're they're wanting to see what happens on
0: the park I get your point I kind of look at it more from I don't, I don't view it as a, a documentary about Hearts the the football team i view it as hearts oh, the football club and i view, i'm not going to be naive enough to think that this is only made just to be like oh, let's look at the results so all the football fans can watch it this is made as a not propaganda that's maybe too grandiose a term but it's an advert for the club and what is the club most proud of partly the hospitality. Um, as mentioned in the first episode, we get two and a half million pounds in hospitality a year. That's a lot of money. And with COVID and for example, Aberdeen have been incredibly open about how much revenue they're losing from hospitality alone, it is often the lifeblood of clubs, that and ticket sales. So I Listen, I agree. I agree from a more boring, as I said last week, technical standpoint. I feel like the Rangers game could have been handled better through editing. Um, for exa- I just think really simple things. like If they want to put so much importance on that game, what you do is, you show Liam Boyce signing amongst the trepidation. Rangers on an amazing run, us on a terrible one you have Daniel Stendhal speaking in the background saying he thinks he's going to do it as the fans come filing in, the game starts, Kent scores, and you can have audio of the even the chefs and the hospitality people being like, really hope we get the result. Then Naismith gets his header in, and then all you need to do is have all audio cut, Boyce in slow motion winding up, and you hear Liam Boyce say that interview, being like, I'm delighted to sign for this club. I wanted to be at this club and I want to do great things for this club and as he says that all the audio comes back the ball hits the back of the net and it's this amazing moment however they framed it in a weird way where they were just like oh yeah by the way Liam Boyce came and he scored in his debut yes however here's a lovely little entree from the hospitality wing and it's like I get that I understand why that's in that but you can do it well and that's not a fault of the club that's a fault of the BBC and just bad filmmaking and I know most people listening don't care about that but for me it's just not been a very well made piece of film
1: no I'd, I'd go along with that listen I'm not I'm not having a go at the club but I I totally agree I think <laughs> this this is down to the BBC and you know sort of what they're placing their importance on um I, I get I get the stuff around the hospitality but I I go along with what you said. I'm disappointed that they didn't place more impetus on the Rangers Cup game as well because that was a big win for us. Mm-hmm. They briefly touched on the win at Easter Road, which again was was frustrating. And I just feel that as though, was
0: crazy. I couldn't believe that. I thought they would really build that up, especially because they built up Stendhal's derby loss. I thought you'd be like, look exactly. how far he's come in this short time.
1: Exactly. They, they, it seems as though the Boxing Day stuff went on for an eternity. And yet, when we actually won, it just, it, it was just sort of swept under the carpet. I mean, even, even the stuff regarding, like, the young lads, if you're gonna show stuff regarding the first team, it, it seems as though there's too much, sort of, placed on the likes of Harry Stone, who hasn't even made a first team appearance yet, I don't think. They spent a good, mm-hmm. like, five to ten minutes talking about him. I, I'm gonna go somewhat against myself, because I did like the, the stuff of the young boys in the boxes, but Again, mm-hmm. it's like, what are you prioritising here? It seems as though, I know there wasn't like a plethora of wins to choose from, but even the disappointing draws at home, like they, they focus loads on the Motherwell match, the Hamilton Aki's draw was just really painful to watch. Thankfully, I wasn't yeah. even in the country during that. Oh, well,
0: I was there. I was in Tynecastle, Castle, ripping my hair out. Well,
1: I was in Barcelona watching Leo Messi and Antoine Griezmann do their thing, but I guess I could have seen a, a Marius Ogunpoe brace instead. Um, but, yeah, it just... It, really, really weird. And, again... You know... I actually think for the most part, the club looks good, even despite the <laughs> predicament that it finds itself in. I think Tiny looks fantastic on it, looks like a really great ground. Again, all the staff look good. I think that we've got characters behind the scenes that you're made aware of that you perhaps didn't know about. Um, but as for the actual kind of first team environment and playing matters, it seems as though that sort of goes out the window. And a lot of when we've had a, as terrible a January transfer window as we've had, oh, there's so much placed on that. The, the the thing that intrigued me, though, and I was wanting to ask you, they were talking about Christoph Berra going out on loan to Dundee. And there's a mm-hmm. scene where Stendhal sits down with Budge and she discusses the possibility of Connor Washington potentially leaving. I was really intrigued mm-hmm. to know about that because it's funny how they show that and only briefly skim over his goal at Easter Road which obviously wouldn't have happened had he left
0: <laughs>
1: I just found that really bizarre I was was that just me or
0: I do agree, I think the whole kind of framing of the January transfer window was quite weird because in my opinion we only made two good signings, Liam Boyce and Toby Sibik was class for that Rangers game and what could have been eh, obviously, incredibly unfortunate what happened with his illness but Donis Advilai, Marcel Langer, who in fairness had one moment in the heart shut and it was like destroying Scott Brown, so that's fine. But it was it was framed as if like, look at this, we've got all these new players who you all know are went on to be great. And it's like, no, 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 no. They didn't all go on to be great. One of them has went on to be, well, only one of them still at the club. So, of no all went on to be great however to kind of go into the positives the main positive of that episode was how much it reminded me of my love of Daniel Stendel to an extent because and I'll tell
1: you for why, because of course it showed the Avdi signing and maybe the Civic signing for me a little bit too much I think Avdi is the prime example of why the club need to stop releasing highlight compilations when a player puts pen to paper, it really does my boxing. Him and Joe Pereira, who I've gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little shout out to because he supposedly had a shocker for Huddersfield at the weekend. It was
0: amazing to watch.
1: I'd just like to thank him because Stoke Even Money were an absolute steal and part of a successful treble that came in for me, so thanks very much, you absolute oh, fraud. Fantastic. However the stuff regarding Stendhal, I really feel Sorry for Stendhal in this documentary because I feel as though the BBC painted a picture where he, that made him out to be a complete weirdo. That being said, yeah. he didn't help himself when he was asked what player could, would he want to sign and he went for Arturo Vidal. I thought that was such a pick. I
0: find that so interesting.
1: I get his reasoning because the football that he plays is high energy and you know, he talked about his work rate and whatever but I thought that was weird and I also thought the Rangers game, when he got his little uh, golden snitch necklace out, was just yeah. was just bizarre. I, I feel as though I was watching it with my dad, and I have loved it because it, we've had such a laugh watching it, even despite how awful hearts are in it. Um, but it just it just seemed as though I don't know whether it was solely the media or even some of his backroom staff and the players just. I felt sorry for him, and that it seemed to rip the pish out of him a wee bit. Just, uh, just a little bit.
0: I think it was intended to, but it just made me love him even more. That snitching was adorable. I was just like, "You are the cutest man ever." And the other stuff, where it was like, he didn't care what a wipe was.
1: <laughs> it was hilarious. His his English was obviously suspect, but there. I think it was the before the Rangers Cup came and Brian McLaughlin is absolutely grilling him. And then just, just after that, he gets up off his seat and he turns to the camera and he's like, I could speak, speak the answer just so easily, but it's in German, so obviously I can't.
0: <laughs> that's, that's where I felt bad, because I was like, you're clearly such an articulate, well-spoken, thoughtful, interesting guy, but you just can't physically <laughs> prove it. And I just felt so bad. But what I really loved is how clearly he tried to create squad cohesion and, like, he, he got in with the boys. Like, the, the bit where he just does a flying heater and top, like, completely flies himself. You, you know
1: me and my, my adoration for screwballs. Stendel does seem like a total nutcase. Eh? He just seems he just seems like a hero. That That is hilarious, but... I wanted to ask you what you're you're anticipating from the finale, because obviously the we're recording on the night of the finale going out, and I, I did my extensive research, i.e. reading the blurb bit on Sky, um, and it says, <laughs> Hearts' extraordinary season takes a turn for the worse as relegation looms. Now, we've seen Robbie in the trailers and whatever, so there'll be no on-field action as such, maybe how his move comes about, but what what do you think will be the contents of tonight, or as this podcast goes out, last night's episode?
0: Well, I'm very sorry, but I know what happens in this episode. <laughs> how do you know? Because I read the BBC article that detailed everything. <laughs> oh,
1: fantastic. Well, I didn't know, so, so I'm going to we find were, out we, in about half an hour's time, so that's great.
0: We see everything up into the semi-final. We see the Dundee game, we see apparently Whiten's goal, we see the semi-final, uh, we see the court case in terms of the club deciding to go for that, obviously the forced relegation, we see um, Robbie coming in, Robbie getting his backroom staff and it seems to end on quite a like positive message for the future. Oh, nice and happy-clappy, as it's as it's proved. However, this could just be the BBC talking shite, and this will come out tomorrow after we've watched it and nothing like that was in it.
1: <laughs> well, this proves to be a load of absolute tosh. I'll know who to come to. That's great. Thanks, mate.
0: Absolutely. Well, we will see what happens in the finale and part three of the Hearts documentary. However, before we go, we do have two football games to preview, in the week however they're both against the same opposition just one's at home one's away we play Alloa tonight as you're listening or as or as this is released at Titan in the Championship and then we go away to Alloa at the weekend in the Scottish Cup and play them at their shitey plastic pet <coughs> so, Betfred Cup what did I say? you said Scottish Cup Oh, that's all I'm thinking about. I couldn't give a shit about the bet, Fred, man. Listen, we're game a we're game away from the Quarters. What's
1: wrong with that? You're, you're always <sighs> egging I me to try and be more positive. We could make the last when eight.
0: We, when we get there, when we get there, I'll start to give a shit. No, that's fair enough.
1: I mean, it is, it, it's, it's the least important of the trio, but it would still be nice. That's all I'm saying.
0: But, out of the two Aloha games, that, to me, is the lesser of the two. The important game... Is tonight as you're all listening to this so I, I'm i just going to spring this at you I have a team in mind
1: Right, okay Um, I'm semi-intrigued to hear your team because I feel as though there's going to be a lot of inclusions that are similar to mine and lots of changes but fire away the floor is yours
0: Well I'm playing a 3-5-2 for the start I regret giving you the opportunity to speak sometimes Go on <laughs> Now listen, I hate the folk who, who are like, two up front's more attacking. It's not, that's not how football works anymore. Yes, it can be, but playing with one and then a three in behind can be more attacking with overlapping. However, I'm going with a two because I just want Boyce and Whiten to play up front together as a partnership. Because I agree with you, I think they need a different type of player, each of them, but... We went two up top in the semi-final and both of them scored. So, therefore, I'm going with that. Craig, Gordon and goals. I've just realised I've kind of fucked myself. Oh, fuck, I've fucked myself. <laughs> I was oh, like- no, he's back! No, he's back! It's <laughs> I was, fine, it's I was, fine.
1: Oh, I know what's coming here. Haring will be one of the centre-halves,
0: but I, I liked I like the striking duo, so
1: go on, continue.
0: Right, Gordon, Pepescu, H- Haring, Halkett. I knew it. Go on. Right. Full backs, well, wing backs of Kingsley and Smith. Interesting. A midfield two of Beating Irving. Bear in mind, you've not got harring. I know, that's fine. Of Irving and McGill. Wow. Because Scott McGill has been really good whenever he's played, and I don't want Lee or Halliday playing, even though I know both of them probably will. However, That's a Irving big shout, I rate that from you some cojones, go on Absolutely, and then in the 10 Walker behind Boyce and Whiten You know what,
1: I, I was sceptical where you were going with that 3-5-2, but I, I, actually, <laughs> I actually quite like the sound of that I, I, I'm potentially down with that although, I I was swaying towards 4-4-2, uh, four, four, but that being said Maybe we don't have the personnel for wingers, so the the wing. Back to my idea. logic. Yeah. i like, we don't
0: have we yeah. don't I don't want Elliot Free of playing, I don't want Jordan Roberts playing. Eddie White could. I'd be fine with Eddie White. However, if you want to play wingers, I'd go with because we know that Janelli is confirmed to not be playing tonight That's as you're listening to this. Massive disappointment. Yes. Yeah. Huge disappointment. Um you could play Lewis Moore. I'd be absolutely fine with Lewis Moore making an appearance. You and Henderson? No. Well, if you give me the option between Freer, Roberts and Ewan Henderson, it's not even a conversation. Moore and Henderson can be the wings.
1: Wow. Yeah, I'd I'd probably go along with that. How the tables have
0: turned. I know, eh? I'm I'm absolutely fantastic. Do you want to know a mental stat that I'm going to throw at you? Oh,
1: here we go. Yeah, go on. Give us it.
0: Currently, Aloha are the 12th Worst performing club in the world.
1: Full time at Tynecastle. Heart of Midlothian, no. Aloe Athletic one.
0: That is exactly what I've predicted. <laughs> oh, oh why did you have to say that? Oh yeah, the tri- Hamilton are the seventh. Worst performing club in the world. Currently, yeah. The number one is a Chinese club is a, who has played sixth. Won none, drawn none, lost six, scored none, conceded thirty-seven. Jesus! <laughs> how, how did you see that come to fruition? Was that just one of those
1: random tweets on the timeline?
0: It was because Rangers are currently the best performing club in the world. Really? Yes. Bloody hell. That's taken me by it's surprise. It's close. It's close with AIM and Sociedad. Right, mm. strangers. Interesting. I've got all the facts, mate. I
1: know. You've shown me up here. I, th- I thought I was semi-impressed uh, with myself with the prep that I've done for this pod, but I'm evidently severely lacking in comparison to yourself.
0: But that the general point that that fact was going to bring is that Aloha haven't won yet this season. They currently have one point from six games. Is this one of those games where... I know I said earlier in the season that performances don't really matter, results do, but is this one of the games where a performance does matter as well as a result?
1: Yeah, I'd say so. I think... It's funny, that Alloa point, they should have held on for all three against Dundee, to be fair. Um, mm-hmm. But I think... I'd, I do... I do think this is a, a good opportunity for us, particularly at home, to not get the fans back on side, but, you know give us reason to get behind you again because you have frustrated us on Friday night. That that was not good enough and if obviously the result comes first and foremost but if we can get a, a really convincing performance to match I'd be delighted with that and fingers crossed that that's the case.
0: Because of course if we do win this this is our game at hand there will only be one point in the title race because Inverness thankfully beat Wraith at the weekend 2-0 so, and he obviously held Dunferlin
1: the game before last so yeah exactly it's it's massive so this little... game can't underestimate it sorry
0: and then what do you think going to happen on Saturday because obviously that plastic pitch is there and we all know that with hearts just seem to love playing on plastic pitches
1: Um, what do I think
0: I, do you know I
1: think it all depends on the team that he selects tomorrow night mm-hmm. or the, the night of the pod being uh, released. Ginelli will apparently be back. I think that's too risky to chuck him from in from the start on that pitch, do you not know, think? Same, definitely. So, I don't know. I, I think we need to see the team for Tuesday. It, it might be a case of rotation for the most part, but I think we can get an idea of who will feature. Um, just need to wait and see what happens,
0: mate. Absolutely. Well thank you very much for joining us in probably our most negative podcast from the return, however still with a positive outlook at the end we're going to be fine, we're still going to win the week, just go and never play Lee and Halliday together, Robbie, that would be that would be really really nice and lovely so, thank you very much for listening, Adam, thank you very much for joining me so Here's all the admin stuff. We are at Perth to Paisley on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. Will there be a Papa Predicts, Adam?
1: There will. Yeah, stay tuned.
0: She's not been on a good run.
1: She's not. She started off flying two from two and she's had a trio of absolute shockers. But to be fair... She had faith in the boys on Friday night and ultimately they've let her down. So don't let Dusty down again.
0: I was about to say, so you hear that heart? Even if you don't care about the fans, even if you don't care about the league, do it for Dusty. That should be our slogan. (laughs) Do it for Dusty. (laughs) Yeah, that's the plan. Fantastic. So yes, that is how you can contact us, Pertopaisley and everything. If you want to send us an email, pertopaisley at gmail.com. If you want to get in contact with us privately, Adam, where can people get you on social media? Uh,
1: People can get me at Adam T. Kendall. Hopefully I've, you know, got rid of all the negative energy. I've vented all my anger and frustration. It's all off my chest. Feeling a lot better now. So hopefully my Twitter and the like will
0: be rays of sunshine in comparison. Absolutely, that's the plan. Mine will never be that way. Depression doesn't work like that, and Heart and middle of middle is not a good mix. So, therefore, if you want to come and see Depressed Hearts tweets, I am at Mackay the Mark. We hope you have enjoyed. Here's hoping that the next time we come back, Hearts have played 2 1 2, and we all love it. Do it for Dusty. We'll see you next time. Monogites!